0: Welcome, welcome to my first YouTube live. Happy solstice. I see we've got three people here. Thanks so much for joining me. Today we've got a few things on the agenda. We'll begin with a silent meditation. Uh, Not yet. I'll, uh, I'll set you up before we begin. And after that depending on what happens in the meditation, maybe I'll share something. And then we can get right into the Kundalini Q&A. So if you've got any questions about your awakening process, spiritual awakening in general, meditation, etc., you can type it in the chat and I'll do my best to respond as best as I can. We will just kind of flow. I don't have a an end point. So as as things kind of wind down, that's when we'll wrap up. So if you have to come and go, no worries, no worries. I'm happy that you showed up even for a little bit with me. I appreciate it a lot. So uh, last week I was inspired to set up a live on YouTube. I looked at my cal- calendar. I saw that Monday I had to go renew my passport. Tuesday I had a Kundalini conversation. I recorded a podcast with Dr. Yvonne Kaysan. She's incredible. That'll be out soon, and so I thought, oh, okay, Wednesday's the day. That's the day we'll do it. I didn't realize that Wednesday was a solstice, and I started to see all this uh, ascension, you know, material coming out online about uh, the Schumann resonances and the ascension energies, and you know how there's something leading up to the solstice. I'll be honest; I don't know much about any of that stuff. I feel it, surrender to it. Um, I don't uh, claim to know what's going on with all that human resonance and stuff like that, but there's something going on. Exactly what? Not sure, but it is uh, coinciding with our ascension. Lots of uh, these events on the planet have coincided with my own awakening, my own ships. And so uh, today we'll just see what happens. Um, I'm just kind of going in the flow here. I was told very clearly to just show up, just show up and everything will take care of itself. So I'm happy that uh, you're here showing up with me as well. We'll give it a couple minutes and then we will sit together in silence and see what happens. Let's check in the chat here. Hey, Tom, Claire. Good morning. Good morning, Martin. Blessings, blessings. Alan, you're so welcome. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. So... um if you've got a question already, you can type it in the chat. I'll, I'll do my best to uh, circle back after the meditation and get to it. But if you want to meditate on your question as well, maybe some answers will come to you. let we'll just hang tight for a second or two. Avi, welcome. Happy you're here. Mango, oh, you're awesome too. You're so welcome. This is This is my mission. This is my purpose. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm doing, if I can be honest with you. I'm just going with the flow, doing what I'm called. I like to say that I'm just an employee. All right. So for the meditation here, you can meditate in your own way. Um, You can focus on the breath. You can do a body scan. You can abide as awareness if you're familiar with that type of meditation. You can put your hands on your heart and imagine liquid light expanding in your heart, consuming your entire body, enveloping your entire body. You can say a mantra, you can say I love you, to yourself, to the world, whatever feels right for you. I invite you to have an attitude of open receptiveness without attachment to outcome. So if there's something you're meant to receive here in the meditation, trust that you'll receive it. You may not perceive it immediately, Maybe something will linger uh, long after, maybe some some seeds will be planted. Who knows what will happen? Just abide as open-hearted receptiveness without attachment to outcome. So I've got uh, a 10-minute timer that I'll set here. We will sit for 10 minutes and we'll have one minute just to warm up, settle in. Then you'll hear some bells dinging from my timer i will signify the beginning of the meditation we'll sit for 10 minutes once that 10 minutes is up you'll hear the bells dinging again we'll come out of the meditation and we'll see where uh, the rest of the flow takes us if you'd like to continue in your meditation you're more than welcome to so to the 11 people that are here thank you so much for joining really, really appreciate it and so let's uh get this meditation going So we'll begin with one minute just to settle in and then we'll start. Welcome back. If you like, you can write in the chat if you had any interesting experiences in your meditation with us. Thank you all for sitting together in silence. Claire says, wow, I really felt that. Could have stayed for another 30 minutes. Well, you can continue to meditate as we uh, move forth with our meeting today. Benjamin says, gratitude, my gratitude to you and to all as well, thank you for joining me. Tom says, lovely experience, fantastic. So if you have any questions about your Kundalini Awakening, spiritual awakening process, you can type it in the chat and I'll do my best to respond. And as well, if you're out there in the chat and you want to respond and share your input to others, comments or questions, please go ahead. I think there's great value in community. And just of course, invite everybody to use their discernment, whether they're listening to something I'm saying or another in the chat or at any point, you know, take what resonates with you, leave behind what doesn't. Discernment's very important. So I can talk a little bit about, you know, what's got me into doing this work, actually, this whole Brent Spirit thing, this YouTube thing, this podcast thing. Um, I was just reflecting on it a little bit earlier today December 2019, it had been a little over four years since my first initial major Kundalini rising. In that four-year period, I experienced a lot of ups and downs, intense purification period, intense purging. But By 2019, it had been, yeah, like I said, about four years. So by 2019, I had committed to just getting back in the world I stopped with the spiritual practices. I stopped with meditation, looking at videos, reading things, talking about this stuff. Mango says, haha, it was hard to stop the movement of the body. Beautiful experience. And Miriam says, felt so grounded. Talk about the meditation. I'm glad to hear that. No need to stop the movement of the body if you're in a safe place. Let it rip. So um, as I was saying, so 2019, I stopped any spiritual exploration. I realized, you know, I've been a ungrounded hippie for way too long. I've been, you know, just wandering around, no purpose, no worldly purpose. My my spiritual mission has been the most important thing up until that point. And I said, well, I still have to get back in the world. I still have to, you know, establish some sort of livelihood, some sort of career. So I worked on, you know, establishing a business as a photographer and, and things like that. And anyway, so 2019, it was very mundane no no not much spiritual experience going on but by december december 24th christmas eve for some reason i was uh, inspired to go into a meditation first one in a long time and in this meditation i began to chant om really you know f- with great fervor great devotion i was being chanted in, in a sense you could say i wasn't doing the chanting almost chanting me something like that and when the, the chanting stopped, my heart rate began to increase. I experienced what we would call in yoga in Sanskrit, uh mulabandha, Bandha, which are locks. So the drawing and the and the flexing of the pelvis floor, the drawing of the pelvic floor upwards, Udhyana Bandha, drawing the core in, you know, the the, the abdominals, abdominals inwards really tightly and now this was happening spontaneously i wasn't doing anything it was happening spontaneously of course the intelligence of kundalini was initiating this this phenomena this process in me and i was just there letting it happen just like how i was telling mango in the chat you know if you like if you feel safe let the movements of the body just let them rip that's that's the intelligence of kundalini it knows what it's doing and so i up until that point I i was now very familiar with kundalini process because like i said four or five years earlier it's when the major stuff started to happen to me. So I understood, okay, this is Kundalini stuff. I just surrendered to let it happen. And, you know, the breathing was, was spontaneous. Pranayama began to take place. Um, I couldn't even tell you which particular Pranayama, what, you know, how many breaths, whatever, just doing its own thing. The pelvic floor was drawn up, udiyana banda contractions happening to a degree that I couldn't have, done on my own. If you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to find the strength to hold those blocks, those body locks, those bandhas to the degree that I was holding them. And then I, you know, there's a presence, you know, of course, it's a, it's a presence. It says, hey, you know, I was sitting cross-legged and it says, hey, why don't you put your head back and relax a little bit, put your head back against the wall. So I leaned back a little bit. Okay. And I thought, you know, this is uh, contradicting the whole idea of sitting upright in meditation, you know straight spine you know here i hear the intelligence of kundalini is telling me hey put your head back relax so put my head back and still this phenomenon is happening that the pranayama the 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 bandhas and then when i put my head back then i hear you why don't you try putting your tongue to the back of your mouth i said okay i'll try that and when my tongue so there's the I, i i'm not sure if it's called but what it's called but Towards the front of the mouth, there's the hard part of the roof of your mouth. Then towards the back, there's the soft part of the roof of your mouth. So the tip of my tongue started to touch that part, and to say it was pleasurable um, is to put it very mild. It was incredible, incredibly pleasurable, and immediately bursts of energy began to rise up my spine in conjunction with my tongue making contact with the roof of my mouth, the soft part of the back of my mouth, the breathing, the bandas. It just intense contractions were happening and the energy was rising, rising in these pulses up into my brain and I can feel it pooling into my brain. And, um, uh, you know, even just talking about it, I'm getting, you know, a little amped up. It's and the words don't even do it any justice, but it was pretty incredible. And, um, eventually things subsided and, a few things took place from that point. I was given a few different, very important, significant messages. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get into them today. But what's relevant to this work, like I said, is I was told, you know, do you want to see what your mission will be for the next uh, specific period of time? I'll, I'll, I'll withhold that information for now. I said, okay. And so then I was shown a sort of offer it was like a contract it was like a i was in the astral realm and non-physical realm and like a mystical vision i was shown a scroll and on this scroll was writing about this mission and it was basically the mission to support others going through awakening at this time of ascension on the planet to serve as a messenger now i did not openly accept this this calling this mission i said what do you mean? where am I going to get these messages from? I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? This is a lot to ask. And I was reassured by the presence that was with me um, that it would all be taken care of. I just have to show up And just like a messenger, if no message comes, let I off the hook. I'm just the messenger just here to share and I said, okay well you know am I gonna channel am I going to be a channel? like maybe a, a Bashar or an Abraham Hicks? I said, no, not like that. Just, you receive the message, put it in your own words through Brent, through the lens of Brent, and, and uh, that'll be your style. And I said, okay, so I don't have to be like, you know, a perfect speaker like Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks. No, of course not. Okay, so every aspect of pressure was, was taken away from me. All I had to do was show up. That's all they said. Just show up. I said, all right, we'll see what happens. Now, some other things unfolded, but at the end of this uh, experience, I said, okay, you know, let's see what happens. Friend calls me up. She says, hey, I'm opening a yoga studio a few days later. I want to teach meditation there. So I say, okay, I'll teach meditation. Sure. So I think, okay, maybe this has something to do with the mission. So I'm in this yoga studio talking about meditation to people um, a few people were showing up you know i thought okay this is what i'll do I can, I can do this i can roll with this anyway pandemic happens covid happens studio shuts down and i end up of course focusing more on uh, this work online um with the podcast the spiritual awakening show this youtube channel Then i was given very specific information to start speaking about kundalini a lot of people you know it's it's a uh, very important topic that so few are talking about openly and so uh this is where the work has led and i just show up i get inspired i share things i don't have all the answers um as well i've found that part of my mission is to also bring people together to talk about this to get the conversation going and so of course i know that i'm not the final word i don't know everything about this that's why i meet with others on the podcast as well uh to, to, These interviews that I've been doing to learn, to share, to give different perspectives and to show that this is a universal human experience that we're all going through. It looks different for everybody, though there are general themes. I don't think anybody has all the answers. I think we're meant to uh, unravel things as we go and to also enjoy a little bit of the mystery. And so this is uh, the three and a half year mark, I guess you could say today, the solstice, because I began, I think, sometime early January in uh, 2020. So the three and a half year mark. Here we are. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support and attention. It uh, it means so much. I've been learning a lot, growing a lot. And, um, you know, the only reason I'm here live on YouTube today is because we reach 1,000 subscribers. Uh, that's the threshold if, you're, if you want to go live. So here we are. So thank you all for your support, for tuning in, watching, engaging, liking, commenting, uh, you know, donating, meeting with me, all that stuff, sharing it, sharing the, sharing the links, all that stuff. It really goes so far for me. I'm not doing this for for subscribers and stuff. I I literally am doing it because of what happened to me that day in meditation. I was told that this is what I'll be doing and I'm just, just rolling with it. I, uh, Like I said in the beginning here, I'm just you know, open-hearted, receptive state of being without attachment to outcome. I have no idea where this is going, but uh, it's been a fun ride so far. So thank you all for, for your company. And with that said, let's have a look at the chat here and respond to some questions it's 20 people with us want to welcome you all thanks so much for tuning in we've got a bunch of deep questions here let's uh let's see how they go so tom says do you and others continue to feel the kundalini energy movement up the back after the initial rising does it ever stop great question great question so after a point of stability I like to think that the powerful surges that kind of happen throughout your day maybe you're like driving or just having a conversation with your neighbor or something that's that leaves that stops for the most part so when surges do happen you know like the the energy rising up the spine it's usually maybe in a deep meditation maybe in the company of another that's very active with their kundalini maybe in coincide coinciding with some of the planetary uh, energetic um ascension patterns that are happening but they seem to be more limited to these significant moments on the path as opposed to happening like all the time anytime when i first began this journey it was happening very often um sometimes very very strongly sometimes very almost imperceptible now things have stabilized um, but just in this previous meditation that we did, I was experiencing a lot of, of, uh, energy rising, especially up into my head. I don't know if we'll have to look back at the recording, but I think maybe my eyes are rolling back and you can kind of see my eyes fluttering, but that's in deep meditation. But generally speaking, it, it kind of subsides, um, all of it seems to stabilize, at least for me, all of it has become stable. Now that doesn't mean that later on in the future it won't get very active again for some other reason maybe i'm going to go through some more upgrades and something else i don't know but for the most part for the past few years it's been it's been uh, pretty stable claire asks brent how would you describe kundalini from a western perspective i heard one dis- one teacher describe it as clearing out your conditioning which i liked interested in your perspective yeah, I like that term, clearing out your conditioning. I would put a caveat on there because we can clear our our conditionings without Kundalini. You know, we can journal, we can write, we can do therapy, we can do shadow work, um, all these different modalities. I would say we're being assisted with our process of clearing out our conditioning by a an evol- evolutionary spiritual force, spiritual intelligence that is awakened within us. So it's like it's supercharged, you could say. Um, that's what the intelligence of Kundalini is. It's this energy rising. It's the the evolutionary force. Um, from a Western perspective, is interesting. Now, I I'm right there with you. If you feel like you know the West is lacking terms and we're lacking you know the right vocabulary, and then we you know we've got these clunky words like Kundalini. It's got a lot of baggage. You know, it's associated with Kundalini yoga, which is a whole you know whole other topic. Um, it's Sanskrit. It's it's from Hinduism. All this stuff. So it's like don't we have any other words, but I would say, you know, yeah, we could come up with other words, but then we'd have to reinvent the reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, it gets difficult for people that are looking for things online to start talking about it and, and finding the material. So I like the word Kundalini. It just works for me. You know, maybe we could say it's the, uh, some people call it Ascension symptoms, um, the Ascension process, um, the energetic component of spiritual awakening. Some people like to discern between the, the uh, sort of psychological, uh, perception-based shifts in spiritual awakening, and others like to talk about the energetic components associated with it. Um, I may be wrong, but Adya Shanti seems to have a, a model like that. You know, he talks about meditation, and then he also occasionally would talk about the energetic components uh, of uh, you know this awakening process. Um, I think uh, for the word for kriya, um, there's a term physiologic tremors, physiologic tremors. I think so. Um, let me see. I have, a, I have that written somewhere. So that's like a, it's associated with like PTSD within Western, um, psychology and whatnot. So there are some like words and hints here, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because there's a plethora of knowledge associated with the word Kundalini from the East already. So it's tricky. It's tricky, it's hard to describe this stuff to the West, because also it's not even just the language, it's also the Western model. The Western model is Western religion, which says God is up in the sky, separate. And so, not, not to mention then the Western ideas of atheism. And so you've got to now incorporate this intelligent, divine spiritual energy that's within the body And then fit that into a Western model, which is based on separation, empiricism, science, et cetera, materialism, et cetera. So it's difficult. It's difficult. Rambling a little bit there, but I hope you get some value out of what I'm saying. Miriam says, this is exactly what I'm experiencing at the moment. I'm assuming that you're talking about the energetic surges. Jasmine says, is it possible to recreate the experience as feelings of spontaneous Kundalini awakening? I miss it. But certainly, my more serious question would be: How do you live after the Kundalini awakening experience? Right. So, often for many people, the Kundalini awakening, the, the spontaneous rising, you could say, is associated with a mystical experience, with bliss, transcendence, um, great synchronicity, joy, feelings of connection. Uh, maybe there's f- somewhat fleeting experiences of oneness. And you know, of course, you it would be you would be, uh, uh, you'd be a little uh, crazy not to become attached to those experiences, if and when they were to subside. And so it's only natural to want to try and you know recreate those experiences. Some get addicted to these experiences, so they may pursue psychedelics. They may pursue different, um, you know, maybe they'll go out and try and get you know uh, pot transmission. Uh, From like somebody who offers that, you know, they'll keep going and revisiting these, these retreats and whatnot, trying to experience, you know, that, that, uh, that experience of that mystical experience of the Kundalini rising. So instead of trying to recreate it, because it's like, it's trying to like put the lid back on a volcano and having the volcano erupt again. It's like once it's erupted, it's erupted. You know what I mean? It's like trying to like be like put yourself back in the womb so that you can go through the rebirth through the birth canal again. It's like it's it's open. It's awakened now. And it's, you know, if you want to have that experience again, that means you're going to have to put it to sleep in order to have it reawakened. So I don't think it's ideal to, to chase the uh, the experience there. Um, I, instead, it's it's worth putting your experience into perspective. To help you to overcome attachment to those mystical experiences acknowledge yes probably the greatest experience of your life maybe the greatest experience you'll ever have in your life acknowledge it yeah it's it's magical it's crazy it's incredible but it gave you a very strong taste and sample of how you can live in a more sustainable way throughout your life so if i think of my kundalini awakening Know, I was blasted open. I couldn't move. I was like immobilized, you know, out of my body. It was blissful, orgasmic, transcendent. I returned back to the world. Everything is one and everything is me, and I'm everything. And I couldn't distinguish myself from the walls. I couldn't distinguish myself from the other people that were in the room. That was incredible, but not a way to operate in the world. Not, I'm not able to function in that way. And so I, if you ask me, you know, long term, would I want to live in that way? No, because it's like you're basically disabled. You're basically disabled, you're out of commission for a little bit. And so I would say, you know, recognize like, yeah, that gave you a taste of of what's possible and real and and the, the deepest, truest nature of reality and your potential. And then you work to hold a little bit of that in the world, but while still recognizing, you know, I'm one with everything, but I still recognize that Brent is here, the walls over there, or you're out there listening, I'm talking right otherwise we just become like these you know like these um idiots abiding in you know say of transcendent oneness um and so of course I understand that was more uh, of a uh, fun question but you're saying you know your ser- serious question be how do I live after the Kundalini awakening experience um interestingly enough I mean I could describe it in many ways but I would say it's very ordinary it's very ordinary it's, ordinary. it's very quiet it's very quiet I don't experience magic blissful things that are like super um notable it's very ordinary very simple um i can tune in and i can melt the world into oneness Um, i can feel it Um, the fear of death is gone Um, i i feel by default i'm in the present moment whereas prior to this i was by default in past or future. Something would have to bring me into the present moment, maybe a meditation or something. Now, by default, I'm in the present moment, and something has to bring me into the past or future. Maybe it's something triggers me. That still happens. Work is still ongoing. Um, I'm still acknowledging that I have things to clear, and and uh, the human is still here that's developing and growing. Um, but other than that, it, it's very ordinary. I mean, you know, I think maybe even some of my friends are in the chat here. You know, if, if you ask them about me, they would be like, "This guy's a normal person. He's just a normal guy." You know, it's like, you know, some people who don't know that I do this work may be like, what the heck? Brent's just a normal guy. I don't know what this is. What is he talking about? It's very ordinary, very quiet, very quiet. And there's this, there's a an ongoing stream of peace, spacious peace that kind of encapsulates everything. And at times I can get caught up in the drama and forget the peace that happens. But then I just remember the peace is there. Everything is okay. It's all going to work out. So that's a little bit of how I, I operate. Mo Walid says, can practicing astral projection slash lucid dreaming cause kundalini awakening? I've had several dreams where energy is coursing to my entire body, but mainly in this state. Yes. Yes. So, all of these like uh, spiritual practices, like like you mentioned, astral projection, lucid dreaming, involve shifts in consciousness. So, any type of this type of shift in consciousness can make way for the kundalini to rise. So the the expanded states of consciousness, when you're lucid dreaming, you're you're abiding as awareness. You're aware that you're dreaming. That awareness can can open your body up to feel space, enough spaciousness, enough space within your system for that energy to begin to rise. Um, All of this stuff is related to our, our spirituality and our spirituality is directly correlated with our kundalini. Some people aren't having kundalini awakening, but they're astral projecting. I think it's the same energy, same intelligence is just maybe in a little bit of a different, um, less awakened state, maybe just like subtly uh, active instead of awakened. But I think it's all related. And in the dreams, I think dreams are not something to be dismissed when considering kundalini phenomena, kundalini awakening, spiritual awakening. You know, people will say, oh yeah, that was just a dream. No, but the dreams... And I've got to talk on this on my channel. We don't know what dreams are. We don't know. like Science doesn't know. Psychology doesn't know. We have no idea what we're doing for half our lives. Everybody, we don't even know what dreams are. And a lot of significant spiritual development can happen in dreams because there's very little resistance. Time is different. Um, and that spiritual development, those spiritual experiences that you have, even in astral projection, lucid dreaming, whatever it is, remote viewing, all that kind of stuff. That stuff, you learn and you make changes to your system that carry over out into your waking life. It's not just something that happens in a dream. You can heal in dreams. You can have significant shifts in dreams. I've had powerful, powerful healing dreams where I was you know, during Kundalini's process during like the most intense moments where like healers would come to me and perform like incredible healings, and give me incredible transmission. Shaktipat, all this stuff was happening um, in these dreams, and I would wake up from the dream transformed literally transformed so uh, not to be dismissed dreams are very powerful um this is a 24 7 process sleeping dreaming astral projection all a form of meditation and of course as we know meditation is very important for the kundalini waking process kino says hi brent let's get real about kriyas are kriyas releasing a contraction or are they just releasing the energy around stuck at a contraction leaving the contraction intact interesting question I would say both. I would say both. So sometimes there is a physical muscle contraction that is so subtle it's kind of like muscle memory. It's stored in our in our bones, Um, and we can have that released through a kriya, and the energy will be released um, if there's a blockage there. If there's some sort of blockage in the chakra, the energy will move through it and have an energetic component, emotional component as well. So for example, um, I had an experience where my jaw began to just feel like intense pressure and I wanted to clench and I wanted to, you know, like basically I felt like breaking my jaw. That's how intense it was. Something was happening energetically in there. Eventually there was like a a click and it felt like a bone, like literally a bone was removed from my jaw that shouldn't have been there. And suddenly I was able to like, my jaw felt like it was brand new, like it got upgraded. So there was muscle tension around my jaw from maybe clenching, being angry, holding back emotions, holding back, you know, uh, what I wanted to say, for example. And so the contraction was literally there. And then of course, energetically with the chakras that also translated over to my ability to express myself. Right. So when the energy moves through these areas, it, releases the muscle contraction it releases the energetic emotional um, components and uh, you know we benefit in all these ways so i like to say that kundalini is not just spiritual it's biological it's energetic it's emotional it's psychological it's all of these things mango says so great for all that you do truly before you i was so confused and scared you're changing lives thank you so much oh i'm i'm really really humbled to hear that really am thank you thank you it's it's nice to know that um This is helping people. Like I said, I just show up and I'm just doing what I'm inspired. And so it's really nice to hear that. I'm not just talking to the void sometimes. Tom says, thanks for the response. I can totally relate. You're so welcome, Tom. Mango says, what's your thought on the recent popularity of kundalini activation events? KAP. What's your thoughts on the practice in general? Okay. Okay. Kundalini Activation Events, KAP, I think that's a particular name of a particular brand, a particular organization that offers these uh, Kundalini activation um, services. For those who aren't familiar, not too familiar with it, but generally speaking, I've checked it out. Um, Some are skilled to manipulate Kundalini and support its rising through an individual. This is, a, this is a gift, it's a skill that people are given. Uh, we can be given in different ways. Some, you know, they can through their eyes, um, through the voice, through the thought, through gaze, through the hand movements. So they're able to take hold of prana and use that as a vehicle to stimulate Kundalini, awaken Kundalini. And here's the thing that I've recognized valid, genuine experiences. However, If you look at some of the people that are going for these, they'll say, "Oh, I went seven times, went eight times, going for my tenth retreat. Can't wait." What are you going? What are you going seven, eight times for? Right? If it's awakened, it's awakened. What do you need to keep going back for? So that's my question, Um, because I would argue that it's not a sustainable awakening it's an awakening that's happening in the presence in conjunction with the support of another person and those people are genuine people i think they have you know very uh, integrated and embodied spiritual awakening kundalini awakening processes themselves but um you know they're stirring it up in people and then they leave and it, it goes back dormant and then they have to go back and it becomes an addiction because just like how we were speaking earlier people can become addicted to their mystical experiences to their kundalini awakening experiences it feels incredible blissful magical and so they become addicted. They want to keep going back and back and back. And then what happens is they begin to associate their power within themselves. They say, it's not my power. It's the power of the facilitator who gave me this, this awakening. All power goes to them. They're incredible. They're a God. They're my guru. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I can't do this myself. And that's a disempowered dynamic. I think we are moving beyond this guru-disciple dynamic where we're just fellow travelers all together. That coincides with the, the ascension. And um, furthermore, I would also say that, you know, some people are able to do these things, uh, offer, you know, significant energetic shifts to a person. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are beyond uh, uh, you know, doing their harm to people. Um, there have been in, in the past, there have been people that have been able to offer incredibly powerful uh, initiations, Shaktipat and and these types of activations, and those people, Uh, you know, we're, we're abusers. We're just horrible people. Um, and so we have to use our discernment, have to always ask, where is my power? Am I giving it away or is it still with me in my body, in my heart? No problem entertaining, being around others, reading books, listening to talks, going to events even, but gotta be mindful when you're addicted. I mean, that's what I would say. You know, what do you need to go seven, eight times for, uh, for one of these activations for? It was working. What do you need to keep going back for? So, okay. Let's see here. Okay, I'll get to everyone's question. I just want to respond to Jordan here. Jordan, have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Yes, I have. I've had, I've had many. Um, Can talk about one. There was a period where I was. You know, I had incredible insomnia. I hadn't slept for for more than a couple hours in like a few weeks. It was horrible. And I had a thought, I'm not taking care of my body. When I said that, I said, I am not taking care of my body. There's I, and then there's my body. And like that, I floated out of my body because I recognized that I wasn't my body. I floated out of my body. It's incredible, um, you know, out of body experience, you could say um learned a lot created a bit of distance between myself and my body with this identification with the body fear of uh you know death and being harmed began to be a little bit um chipped away at through this experience i understood you know very deeply that um there's more to me than just this body just this mind there's something bigger and this was before kundalini awakening but um still part of my spiritual awakening process so that was my outer body experience um I've had others, but um, we'll leave it at that for now. We'll see what other questions we have here. Just mean says, could you have spiritual awakening without the rising of the Kundalini energy? Yes, um, interesting question. There's different ways of looking at this. Um, I'm not super confident in the way that I describe it because it's just so... Uh, so up and down and and there's so many different models that we can look at. But I like to say that, yes, you can have a crown awakening, crown level awakening. The crown opens. You recognize that you're more than this body, more than this mind, similar to what I was just describing when I was speaking about the out-of-body experience. And you recognize, I'm awareness, I'm consciousness. There's more to me than just the physical. That's a spiritual awakening. The Kundalini hasn't yet risen from the root upwards. This was actually my type of unfolding. I had this type of awakening, crown level awakening in 2012. Um, 2015, I had full Kundalini rising from the the root. Um, And so it's a little bit of how we can talk about it. Um, Claire says, thanks, Brent, that was helpful. I like energetic component of spiritual awakening. Great, great, happy to hear that was helpful. Tom Stowe says, is it normal to have a near death experience during a Kundalini awakening? Interesting question. So Tom, I just recorded a conversation with Dr. Yvonne Kason. She, uh, she had a Kundalini Awakening when she was 20 and she's had five, she's 23, I think. And she's had five different NDEs, near-death experiences throughout her life. All unique, all very spiritual, all changed her life in multiple ways. Um, there seems to be a correlation between near-death experiences and Kundalini Awakening. Uh Dr. Kason, one of her ideas, I'm not sure if it's her idea or an idea that she's shared, is that during a near-death experience, the kundalini quickly awakens, rushes into the brain to preserve the brain, to keep it alive. Um, and so we hear about this sometimes, you know, maybe that's why people had like a, a little bit of a buffer period, a couple minutes before they were resuscitated and their brain, you know, was still intact. Maybe it's because they had a kundalini awakening. A lot of people that have near-death experiences. After the experiences, you know, report psychic shifts, spiritual shifts. Um, of course, there's a typical, you know, I went to heaven or I saw the white light or whatever. And so they, they have a spiritual shift. Um, Dr. Yvonne Kaysan is probably one of the most uh, equipped people to talk about NDEs and Kundalini. The interview that I have with her, we touch upon it and it will be out uh, on the weekend. So you can check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, there definitely seems to be a correlation. And she actually shared something that I think Gopi Krishna was talking about. Now, this is just, it might be totally far out and, and not even true. I don't know. But there's a theory that the Egyptians would almost force a near-death experience upon a person. And if they survived that experience, that meant that their kundalini was now awakened. And that's what determined whether they could become a pharaoh. Because a pharaoh, of course, has the the, the cobra. This is very spiritual, uh, a role. It's not just a political role to be a pharaoh. And, and so that was an idea from the Egyptians, but I don't know if that's true or not. It is something that uh, Dr. Yvonne and I were talking about. So Claire says, that's the hardest part, reconciling our experience with the physical world we live in. Yes, that is the hardest part. It's the most important part as well. Safe says, hey, what are the best ways to open the heart chakra? Well, there's different ways to approach it. I love the uh, idea of heart-centered meditation, hands on your heart, imagining an orb of white light radiating, encapsulating your entire body head to toe um, and welcoming everything into your heart. So an open heart, what does it mean to have an open heart? It means to be willing to feel Anything that may arise, that's what an open heart means. If the heart is closed, things can't go in the heart, so you can't feel those things. So to have an open heart, work backwards. Practice feeling everything that may arise. Right? Work backwards. So if there are thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories that are coming up, let them be there. You practice the vibration of an open heart and your heart will then open. Um, You could also engage in some some somatic heart opening you know, type yoga poses and stretches and whatnot, that can help as well. But if you don't do the emotional work, it's not going to happen. A lot of people, I think, engage in like, they do like, I'm going to do like a heart opening yoga sequence and it's like dancer's pose and like wheel and and they're like, I'm going to try and open my heart, but then they're avoiding all the emotional stuff. It doesn't work. I think the emotional stuff is really where it's at. The uh, physical stuff um, supports it. David says, I had an NDE while awake. A wave of peace filled me and I knew how I died in a past life. Yes, there seems to be significant, um, like I was saying, significant shifts, spiritual shifts, psychic shifts, even past life uh, regressions and whatnot uh, when it comes to these NDEs. They're uh, very mystical. And um, if you've had one, I think it's important to see where it fits into your spiritual and Kundalini awakening process. Thank you for sharing. Safe says, excuse me, I understand that people get the chakras near the active all the time or chakras near the bottom open, but until the heart chakra is open, they aren't properly connected. Yeah, I'm not sure I get the full gist of your question, but Generally speaking, I agree. Yes, the heart chakra is the center. It's the center. Uh, I think that's the, I mean, it's the heart. It's the heart of it all. It's the center of it all. We need those uh, chakras above, chakras below. They need the heart chakra to uh, bring it all together. David says, the last chakra to open, does it come out the pineal gland? That was my experience with samadhi. So deep meditation can um, very much have much to do with the pineal gland, the third eye um but sahasrara chakra seventh chakra top of the head crown chakra that's the last chakra that's the thousand petal lotus chakra some might argue that there's chakras above but we'll we'll keep it simple top of the head so see if you can bring some attention to the top of your head feel it tune into it um you know maybe even draw energy there if it feels right now if you're ungrounded not not the right thing to do. Put your feet on the ground. Forget about the, the crown chakra. See if you can bring some attention there and be mindful that there is one chakra above. You don't want to stop just at the third third eye. Tom says, so would the kundalini cause the NDE or the kundalini save someone who was going to die? Well, I think when we say cause the NDE, I think the, the cause of an NDE, say for example, is like a slip and a fall and you know, crack in your head. That's the cause of the NDE. The kundalini rising into the brain is what um, preserves the brain, keeps it alive, but maybe that's also what brings about the mystical experiences that are associated um, with an NDE. You know, the, maybe it's seeing the white light, leaving your body, et cetera. Dr. Yvonne Kaysan has a, a handful of different types of NDEs that she talks about. You can even experience an NDE when you are terribly afraid that you might die, even though you might not. So she was on a plane, incredible turbulence began to happen and she thought I'm going to die. And then that triggered an NDE. But of course the plane didn't crash. Prior to that, she actually did have a plane crash NDE where she crashed into a lake up in in Northern Canada in the winter in in an airplane. And she left her body and watched her body swimming to shore. So that's another type of NDE. So there's different types. Um, Can't really say too much. I, I, I haven't experienced one. If I have, I don't remember. I was a kid and I was very sick, but I, I don't remember, so I can't say too much. Clara says, what are your top Kundalini book recommendations? Well, the most recent one that I've read, I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, talking a lot about Dr. Yuan Kaysan today. She's incredible. Um, the recent book that I read is by her and uh, it's called Touched by, Touched by the Light, uh, Exploring Spiritually Transformative Experiences and um, really great it's almost like a, it reads like a textbook but not dry there's incredible case studies and she talks all about the different uh, spiritually transformative experiences but there's a strong focus on kundalini um, with uh, a lot of really insightful information of, of, of how to navigate some of the difficulties the physical after effects um, really really great stuff She's she's uh, she spent time with Gopi Krishna who's also uh, written Uh, countless books, I think maybe like somewhere like 15, 17 different books on Kundalini. Gopi Krishna um, had a Kundalini awakening uh, way back in India, very difficult awakening. And then he um, went on to write a lot about it and uh, is credited with, uh, you know, spreading some of this message of the Kundalini to the West. So you can check out his books as well. Um, I also like Mary Mueller Shutan's book called The Spiritual Awakening Guide. Uh, she talks about Kundalini in there, and it's, uh, it's 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 well put together. She's she's really clear as well. There's some material by an organization called PKYC Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Care. Uh, the author is Joan Shivar Pita Harrigan, and some of the most sophisticated teachings and insights related to Kundalini come out of this uh, lineage, which is about a 500 year old lineage. I've got some really thick books that go deep into all of the different types of risings, the symptoms. And uh, there's one called Stories of Spiritual Transformation that tells 20 different stories of people having 20 different types of kundalini awakenings. And uh, some of them are uh, so imperceptible almost that like they don't have all of this flashy mystical phenomena. Um, they're just very, very gradual. And, and maybe even gentle and uh, not flashy. And so there's 20 different tellings uh, in this book. And um, it just goes to show Kundalini awakening happens differently for everybody. There's uh, many different ways it can happen. Not everybody has a dramatic rising up the spine um, followed by you know intense dark night of the soul and all that kind of stuff. So those are a few book recommendations. Mango says, can you speak a little more on the ancient Egyptian knowledge on the Kundalini? The fendos were all awakened. Well, I'll be honest. I can't really say too much. I don't know that much. Um, I'll share what I can here. It's that at least from what I can tell, tuning in energetically, intuitively, and even just looking around at the culture from ancient Egypt, they were very spiritually advanced. Um, the themes, the mystical themes are are in plain sight all around um, in Egypt, um, you know, we see the pharaohs with with the cobra head, the, the third eye, the cobra. This is kundalini symbology. Um, they were not just, like I said, they weren't just political leaders. They were spiritual leaders as well. This is my understanding of it. And at that time, I think the entire culture was very in tune to the, the spiritual nature of of our existence, of the world, of reality. And so they were more openly, they were more, because they were so open about it, I think everyone, Buddy, was more easily um, uh, evolved and and people were practicing this stuff in the open. Whereas here today, you know, we've like half the people don't have anything to do with spirituality, right? In the West and whatnot, we've lost a lot of that knowledge. And I think that's why maybe we don't understand a lot about, you know, how they built the pyramids and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's a mystery. And I think they had incredibly deep spiritual knowledge that has, for the most part, been lost. We're just kind of re it now. Um, so that's what I can say about Egypt. Um, I don't know. I don't know too much else. Sakina, welcome. Sakina says, does Kundalini affect appetite and digestion? Yes. Yes. So I like to say Kundalini affects everything. Um, so don't be surprised if, if anything is affected by Kundalini, relationships, your money, your life. Your, your family, even all this stuff is going to be affected. And of course, appetite, digestion, very, very uh, immediate uh, biological thing. And so Kundalini is, of course, biological as well as spiritual. And so, yes, it will affect appetite. You may be drawn to eat more of certain foods. Uh, they will help to fuel um, this process by giving you more energy, life force, prana um, from the foods. Um, you may at times be called to fast, which may allow... Uh, some of the energy that would be dedicated to digestion to now shift more towards spiritual development. Um, you have to feel in and be intuitive and feel what's right. Um, you may have interesting cravings for things you've never eaten before, you never liked. Maybe you had a certain uh, way of eating that uh, you may have to um, forego. Maybe you're vegan, vegetarian, and now you're called to eat shrimp or fish or chicken or beef. Maybe you're a meat eater and now you're turned away from those things. Appetite will shift. Listen to it, tune in, trust it. Your body knows what it's doing. I mean, you know, we could talk a little bit about diet and stuff, but you know, when I was exploring diet, I saw that there's smart doctors, they've got books this thick saying be a vegan. And there's smart doctors with books this thick saying eat meat. I realized nobody knows what's going on. I got to just tune in and listen to my own body. And so that's what I invite other people to do develop a relationship with your own. Uh, body um, be intuitive about what you eat just like babies just like young kids they don't know anything about um, all of this intellectual knowledge when it comes to diet but they're very intuitive at eating they know when to stop you know they don't, they don't necessarily overeat now of course these are general statements it varies for some kids but generally speaking you can return to that wisdom that you had as a kid you knew what to eat how much to eat it felt right Tom says did you notice any shifts with your sex drive? Yeah, So like I was just saying, Kundalini affects everything, including sex drive. So the sexual energy is some of the most potent energy within the body next to, of course, the Kundalini. This is the way that I look at it. That energy, I mean, the sex drive, the libido may be up. It could be due to excess pressure um, being put on chakras, those areas, energetic pressure. It could be because your body can not the vitality the the prana the chi the energy and so it wants to have a sexual release as a way of of uh you know releasing that excess energy that's building up too much pressure um, it can also uh, be amped up to make it very in your face and obvious to help you to learn how to develop a more conscious relationship with sexuality what i mean is it's it's difficult to develop a conscious relationship with your sexuality when you're like you know have no libido but if you have a strong libido now you have something to work with you can sit in meditation you can feel it you can get really uh really personal with your own sex drive in this way um so this may happen um, at times the sex drive may diminish it may diminish completely and like like i was saying uh i, I mean maybe i said it, i can't remember but maybe that's because the energy needs to stop uh, being directed towards the chakras uh the 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 sacral chakra and now being drawn more upwards so the energy is being drawn up out of those chakras towards the higher energy centers to you know fulfill your spiritual development um the sex drive will fluctuate diet will fluctuate emotional life will fluctuate the frequency of your thoughts will fluctuate uh everything will fluctuate um you may become worried you know if you're going through awakening suddenly your sex drive has disappeared get worried give it some time especially if it's happening in conjunction with the rest of your awakening process um if you like visit the doctor, no harm in visiting the doctor. Um, you know, do things to maybe if you're, I'm guessing Tom, I'm guessing you're a male, you're a man, you know, can do things to try and uh, uh, maintain a high testosterone level. Um, if, if you're finding that there's other symptoms associated with uh, low testosterone, um, but in general, yes, uh, it can be fluctuating up and down. I would say that it's probably better if your sex drive goes away during Kundalini waking for some time as opposed to becoming super amped up because like it can come amped up to the point of like, um, almost like madness you could say it's like it's it's a very powerful energy and so there's some ideas around the sex drive claire says how do we know where we are in our process someone else asked the exact same question so great great okay so this is what i'll say about how do we know where we are in our process it doesn't matter no matter where you are the practices are the same the attitudes are the same you surrender you trust you practice full body breathing you develop a relationship with the divine with God you do your best to live a moral life you uh, avoid you know consuming things that you know aren't good for you drugs, alcohol etc. so it doesn't really matter where we are in our process the attitudes are the same um I like to use the example of Ram Das's guru, Neem Karoli Baba, Maharaji, who's an avatar, incredible, you know, incredible saint. Even when he was, you know, fully enlightened, fully self-realized, he was still engaging in devotional practices, chanting, right? Celebrating um, his relationship and love of God. So it never goes away. So that's where I'm gonna begin. Doesn't matter where you're at, the practices are the same beginning of the path, end of the path, don't know where you are, doesn't matter. Same practices, same attitudes. to never go out of style. Um, With that said, of course, I'm I'm not here to uh, just give flippant uh, answers. It all depends. It all depends. Everyone is different and there's different types of awakenings. There are slow awakenings that are difficult. There are fast awakenings that are difficult. There are slow awakenings that are mild. There are fast awakenings that are mild. They look different. Some people, it happens top down. The energy pours in. We call that like the descent of grace. You know, the the crown opens, the energy pools in, then it enters in the rest of our body. And that has a different type of unfolding compared to one that rises upwards. You can have both. I mean, I had both years apart. I experienced both types of awakenings. Um, You can tune in and ask. Sometimes you may get a response. Um, if, If your question's burning and you tune in and ask in a sort of prayer, meditative type state, you may get some insight and this happened to me because I had the same question. I understand, you know, wondering, you know, where am I on the path? Um, I would say, you know, uh, look back at how far you've come, take a note of any shifts in your ways of perceiving the world, your relationship with your emotions, um, your relationship with, with maybe the fear of death, um, the way that, you know, maybe things don't trigger you anymore. Um, do you have questions that have fallen away? Compare where you are now with where you are in the past. Look how far you've come. And um, this may give you a better sense of where you're at. So sometimes, you know, people will think, um, I'm, I've got so much longer to go um, compared to, say, like, you know, somebody may, we may see, uh, like a spiritual teacher that we like, I've got so far to go because I'm not like them. But if you look back, you've come so far, you're like a completely different person. And then as well, you may have to also recognize that uh, you know the spiritual teachers that you like, for example, you may be putting them on a pedestal and they may be very human and you're just not seeing it and you're not giving yourself permission to uh, be a human as well. Um, this is a common thing that may arise when people are wondering, you know, where am I on the path? Uh, you know I'm not f- that far along, et cetera, et cetera. Where you're at is just where you're supposed to be. Um, some people, it's very obvious. Some people know that there's like a physical visceral blockage in the throat, for example, or in the heart where the, the energy is not able to penetrate higher. They don't feel it higher. They're not experiencing any, you know, f- phenomena up in the head. And so that's a clear sign, you know, that's where they're at. They're they're still working towards throat, throat chakra or heart chakra or whatever. Um, but like I said, it can happen top down. So it's, it's very complicated. Um, I, I like to take the, the, uh, the approach of approaching this, like puberty. We never asked where am I in the puberty process? Is my hair on my legs going to grow more? You know, we never asked these questions. We were just like, yeah, this is happening. It'll, it'll unfold as it should. And we were just, we're innocent like children, right? I think that's the attitude that we should take. We just kind of, just, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Former human says my psychiatric care team in the West mistook what I now believe to have been a Kundalini awakening experience for a manic episode, psychosis slash madness. What are your thoughts on this sort of perspective? Okay. Not a doctor, not a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist. Just a guy on the internet talking about spiritual things. Okay. I feel that the West is catching up to understanding more about the spiritual relationship with mental illness. A lot of kundalini and spiritual awakening phenomena can look like what you described here. Psychosis, madness, mania can look like that. But there are some distinctions. Um, Often with spiritual awakening, a person is able to take a step back and recognize what's happening. They're not fully in the experience. With more serious mental illness, they're fully in this experience and they're not able to take a step back. This is what I've kind of observed in general. Like I said, not a doctor. Um, now, unfortunately, this is the case for many people that are having these spontaneous awakenings, especially in the West, especially without prior spiritual background. Maybe they take some drugs, some psychedelics, they go to a breathwork class because their friend invited them, yoga class. They open like a meditation on YouTube just to go to sleep. And suddenly they're having all these experiences and getting full-blown like, uh, you know, kundalini awakenings. And then they don't have context for what this is. And so, of course, they, you know, maybe ask somebody and then they say, hey, you sound like you're really mentally ill. We need to take you to the hospital. Then, of course, people in the hospital they do what they're trained to do and I don't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing necessarily. Um, they're, they're operating uh, with as much in- information as they have up until this point. And so they may, you know, um, sedate you or keep you locked up or whatever it is. And I think that's, a you know, it's an appropriate response. Um, from what I understand, you know, once that happens, it doesn't like, completely trump your spiritual awakening you can pick up where you left off but in a more stable grounded way once you start to develop some context around it so if that happens to be your experience you know um you may have some regrets or resentment about you know being the way you were treated in the in the hospital Uh, i think you can understand you know they're they're just doing their best based on what they know um i think that if we are energetically sensitive and 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 conscious of the energy in our body we can work to manage when we might become a little ungrounded maybe manic uh, we can recognize i'm not grounded i'm a little loopy i'm not sleeping i need to get some sleep this has to do with my spiritual waiting process Um, and so that means you know taking care of your body bring your attention in the body to to prevent some of these things from happening Um, i think that it's a tricky thing because, you know, we want professionals to understand that this is a spiritual process. But the thing is, I don't think anybody can really understand that it's a spiritual process unless they're going through it themselves. And so it's like a, it's a difficult. It's, I guess it's like a catch 22 or whatever type of situation. But it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Um I haven't gone public with this, but I'm actually training. I'm, I'm in school. I'm in grad school right now, um, training to be a psychotherapist. And part of my mission is to uh, support people that are going through spiritual awakening um, and to take care of them in a way that isn't um, overly uh, pathologizing what they're going through. And it's because I've seen so many people going through genuine spiritual awakening without proper contacts that end up in the hospital and they receive care, valid care, but um, their spirituality is invalidated and it's, and it's a shame. And so I'll leave it at that. I'm not a therapist at the moment, keep that in mind. I'm just studying um, and this is not therapy. Uh, therapy occurs in private between two people this is a live stream on youtube talking about spiritual stuff so keep that in mind okay um i am working on a uh, course relating to being grounded managing the energy in our body integrating it embodying it um being mindful of when we get too much energy up in the head and how that can cause things like what we would describe as being manic being grounded loopy anxiety insomnia Um, delusions of grandeur walking around thinking, I must be Jesus Christ. That's because too much energy is up in the head and it's not grounded and centered in the rest of the body. And so this course that I'm putting together, it's going to go deep into uh, navigating some of these ideas so that you can find your feet on the ground, centered, balanced, um, you know, working towards your worldly purpose, taking care of your responsibilities, um, uh, not talking about spirituality to the wrong people, rambling, you know, just, you know, just talking your head off about this and that to people who don't care, who just get alarmed. Um, And so this course is going deep. Um, A major idea that's running through the course is you need to find safety in your your body. If your body is not a safe place to be, your energy can't rest there. It wants to escape up in the head. So you have to create safety in your body. So what that means is you have to reassure yourself that I'm safe in the present moment. Maybe in the past, you know, we all experienced difficulty, trauma, reasons to not feel safe in our body. But spiritual awakening invites us to find safety in the body once again. And there's different ways that I talk about for how you can find safety. Um, generally speaking, it means coming into the body and showing yourself that you are safe, bringing some awareness, doing some full body meditations, exercising, maybe it's martial arts. Some people they got to do martial arts to um, develop a sort of confidence that they can defend themselves in the event that they are under threat, and that gives them permission to be in their body because they know if I am under physical threat, I can defend myself. So my body is a safe place to be, and the energy can rise, can can flow down in the body, and can feel very balanced and centered. Symptoms of, of mania and whatnot can can uh, be diminished. Um, so these are the ideas that are running through the course. It will be out soon. Uh, I've got the outline um, practically done. I'll be recording it. Uh, very soon and you can uh you know join my newsletter brandspirit.com to uh, stay up to date with that uh, but i don't want to turn this into a whole commercial here benjamin says i really appreciate the opportunity to join the session especially the meditation oh you're so welcome benjamin thank you so much for your support snow white here says some say that the end of the process is marked by the moment of ecstasy where the witness light where we witness light and feel that uncomparable bliss and totally loose sense of time and place how true is this information for some so you mentioned here that the end of the process i don't use this type of model i say that the process is ongoing forever and ever i refer to a point of relative completion relative stability not the end i don't think there's a point where we can say ta-da it's done kundalini's over don't have to ever think about this i'm just going to live in you know uncomparable bliss and ec- ecstasy and and whatever. No, I think it's ongoing. And we may have experiences that, like you described, you know, bliss and you know, feeling out of time in the moment, ecstasy. But that doesn't mean the end per se. Um, one of the most significant experiences I had, which, excuse me, indicated the sort of relative stability was in a dream. I was in a dream driving in some vehicle or some car up a hill. And across, once I reached the hill, the peak of the hill, there was a huge sunset. And then that sunset uh, was eclipsed by the moon or it was an eclipse. Maybe the moon was eclipsed by the sun. I don't know. But there was an eclipse. And then I heard, it is complete. That was it. I woke up. I didn't, I woke up and I was still me. I just heard this. I just heard this word. It is complete. But I understood it's relative completion. I'm still a human being. There's still work being done. Okay. Um, so there wasn't an ecstatic moment of bliss and whatnot. I've had experiences like that, but they were, they're more towards the beginning of this process if anything. Uh, Milan says compliments for the knowledge. You're probably the youngest person who knows so much about this phenomenon. Oh, well, thank you, Milan. I, I appreciate that. Um, yes, I am young. Um, uh, I got a lot of life ahead of me, still a lot of things to learn and, and experience for sure. Um, This all began happening to me uh, consciously at about 15, Uh, 15 years old. I was very depressed, heartbroken, Um, heard about meditation, sat in meditation, turned inwards, whatever that meant to turn inwards. You know, like they say, I just was trying to find peace, decrease anxiety. Suddenly my spine starts to kind of, you know, do the kriyas. Thought, I don't know what the hell that is about. Didn't touch it, left meditation alone. But I continued to practice mindfulness. Um and then you know I went on to have different different types of awakenings ever since but yeah I've been consciously aware of my spiritual journey in this life at least since 15 but, um, you know it's not my first uh first lifetime doing this that's for sure. Former human says thank you yes you described my experience balance is so important I'd love to take that course well, I'm happy to hear that you can relate with what I'm saying there I know that uh, you know that talk about. Uh, hospital and whatnot can be some heavy stuff. Um, and I've also got to tread lightly because I don't want to come across as a, as a professional licensed professional when I am not. Um, but, uh, I appreciate your interest in the course. Yeah. You can stay tuned. It'll be out sometime soon. Yvonne says, sorry, it looks like I'm later than I thought. No, no, you're right on time. Just, just at the moment you're meant to join. Welcome. Welcome. We've just been chatting, taking some questions. We had a little meditation. Um, Enjoying the solstice, enjoying the longest day of the year. Claire says, this is why embodiment practices are so important. They help us ground and feel safe in the body. Amen. Yes. Yes. In some of my other talks, I've uh, you know been very critical of the paths that lack embodiment, non-duality, neo-advaita. They talk about how there is only awareness. You are not this body. All there is is consciousness. They neglect the sacredness of this human body, right? It's a real shame. And so that's why I've uh, you know, i I've, I've put out some talks, uh, being critical of it because they neglect these ideas of being grounded and finding safety in the body. It's very easy to want to dissociate and leave your body in a sort of meditation or saying, there's no self, I'm not this body, I'll just abide as awareness. It's very easy to do that because you don't have to address all the things that are going on in your body, like trauma. But it's not easy to operate a human life in that state, you know, being in love, uh, taking care of your children. I've, I've talked with many people who say, I'm so ungrounded, I can't connect with my children anymore. I want to get back in the world to be there for my children. This is one of the major reasons that they try to figure out how to get back in the body. After having significant spiritual awakenings, it's because of their children, because of their family. And so, um, you know, I don't have kids myself, but I, you know, I can relate and understand my relationships. You want to be fully present, safe, grounded in the body. And so, yes, like Claire is saying, this is why embodiment practices are so important. Tom says, what's your thoughts on samsara and cyclic existence? Can we transcend rebirth? Is there an end to the spiritual path? interesting stuff i'll be honest i, I don't have uh, i don't have many thoughts on it not sure really not sure I, I i can tune in and feel both the idea of the infinite journey of many many lifetimes maybe many different um galaxies and universes that we'll experience as through our reincarnation and, and whatnot and i can also tune into this idea you know of attaining enlightenment and going into maha samadhi and and you know getting off the wheel of, of samsara the wheel of of uh rebirth both feel like they could be valid and genuine i really don't know um those ideas are fun to contemplate fun to talk about and i'm not trying to you know shut you down here but i'll be honest when i think of these things eventually i go okay yeah well whatever that is that'll come uh, at some point later i've got work to do here and now so what's the work that's my attitude yvonne says this is great, thank you, the course sounds amazing. Oh, thank you so much, I'm, I'm happy for your interest. You can stay tuned. Claire says, I need to sign off, Brent. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for your great questions, Claire, and, and for sharing uh, some discussion and dialogue in the comments with others, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you, thank you so much. Snow White says, when shall we have access to our full potential and unique individual gifts? I mean, self-realization. We figure out our purpose in life. Is it within the cleansing process or after? Forever thankful. So I think there's different uh, themes that we may um, that may emerge throughout the cleansing process. It doesn't happen all at once after the cleansing process per se. So you know you're talking about accessing our full potential. Um, full potential is an interesting thing. You know I, I know I may have used this language myself. You know accessing our full potential, but I think our, our potential is limitless and we'll never access the full thing. So there's always another level to it, and so. Uh, you know fun thing to consider there. Unique individual gifts. So some people have gifts before having gone through the Kundalini waking process. So they've got psychic abilities to come out come with into this life with those as children even. Um, psychic abilities or great creativity. Maybe they're gifted leaders, speakers, um, open hearts. These are all gifts. And people have these things without awakening Kundalini. So it's not that like the Kundalini process is going to now like give you a you know a treasure chest at the end when you open it and you have all these gifts. No, some people have these, some people they uh They kind of come sporadically throughout their journey. Self-realization. So you're talking about self-realization. So that comes when, you know, we. what I would like to say when we reach relative completion of the spiritual awakening journey, kundalini awakening process. So I say relative completion. Um, uh, You know, self-realization. A lot of people, I think if you're aiming towards genuine self-realization, which would, to me, means the meditative states of consciousness, living in an ongoing state of meditation, um samadhi sahaja samadhi if you're working towards that i highly encourage that you practice seated meditation stillness meditation um i i don't know if if uh you know we can really get to those points and hold those states of consciousness sustainably without a solid meditation practice um though there may be some who can who can um you know pull it off without it but I invite everybody to consider having a strong meditation practice. Give it a try. See what happens. Um, It's very, very powerful. Tom says, heavy question. I know. I just want to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Oh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Alan, thank you, Brent. Got to go. Much blessings. Much blessings to you too, Alan. I appreciate all of your ongoing support. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So it looks like we made it to the end of the chat here. Let's see if anybody else has any more questions before we wrap it up. This has been a fun, uh, fun meeting. So while we're waiting for any more questions, I'll invite you to check out BrentSpirit.com for more free content, just like this. We've got uh, eBooks, audiobooks. Like I said, I've got the courses coming out as well. Of course, um, you know there will be a price tag, so keep that in mind. But um, I've got the No-Nonsense Grounding Guide, which is a free course talking all about how to stay grounded in the midst of spiritual awakening and the midst of Kundalini awakening. I've got a book that uh, I put out about manifesting abundance, manifesting abundance, law of attraction and whatnot. Um, it's free as well. Um, I don't really talk too much about the abundance stuff uh, anymore. Early on, my journey was it was very uh, exciting stuff, manifesting and, and synchronicities and being in the flow and all that kind of stuff. But uh, lately, it's just, um, you know, it's just how I live and just, it's not that big of a deal i'm more focused specifically on supporting people going through the difficulty of kundalini awakening but uh, i'm happy i put that book out at least um about abundance so you know if you're if you're struggling with you know these ideas of how do i manifest abundance how do i accept what the universe wants to give me um you know check that book out it's free free stuff of course we've got 50 episodes uh 55 or something I think this is part 54 of the kundalini awakening series you know, if I if you told me uh, on day one that there'd be 55 episodes, I would have said, well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's insane. But uh, here we are. Well, it seems like uh, people are finding some value on it and they're supporting me to do it. So I appreciate you all. As well, you can connect with me on Instagram if you haven't already. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram lately. Tom says, uh, someone suggested to me to wear an obsidian bracelet on the left wrist to help with grounding anxiety. Ever heard of this. Yeah, there are some uh, mineral substances, I guess crystals, what you could say, that are that have grounding properties. I'm not too familiar with them, but I do know that yes, they do have grounding properties. There is something to crystals for sure. Um, tune in with yourself and see what does it make you feel. I, I feel like these are you know, pretty harmless things. You know, um, get a bracelet if you got a couple bucks lying around. Go buy a bracelet, try it on. If it looks cool, whatever. Even if it doesn't work, at least you got a cool accessory. It's not uh, you know you got nothing to lose. Give it a try see what you feel I don't I don't wear this kind of stuff uh, not because I am against it I just prefer to keep things simple but um, for some people it makes all the difference so you know consider those things as well great right Tom says yeah I feel it's working for me great great yeah I know like um, it's it's from the earth right and all of these things have energetic properties that uh, can assist us um, I know some people they would just hold rocks holding a rock. It's not even a special rock. It's like a rock they found at like, like the park or something. And, you know, it helps the ground. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, it could be placebo. As long as it's working, it's not asking too much of you. As long as you didn't pay a million bucks for it from some guy who said it was going to solve all your spiritual problems, it'll be okay. Yeah, Yvonne says, I hold rocks and it helps. Yeah, yeah. I love to stand barefoot in the grass or walk barefoot. It makes me feel grounded for sure. Um, that's what I did uh, preparing for our meeting today just stood in the sun and uh, just tuned in to the energy asked the energy uh, of the earth to support me in doing this work and uh, you know helps these things help a lot okay so it's been a great meeting I'm going to wrap it up here Yvonne says I've also got an earthing mat at home and it's great yeah there's a lot of cool things out there Okay, so uh, Amy says, how does the kundalini energy feel? Okay. It feels, uh, it can feel everything on the whole spectrum. It can feel like uh, the full spectrum. It can feel painful, it can feel blissful, peaceful. It can feel still, it can feel like a raging storm. It can feel everything. Once you reach points of relative um, completion, you know, for at least for me, it's it's pretty quiet. It doesn't really feel like much or maybe I'm just so used to it, I can't remember what it was like to not have awakened kundalini anymore. But um, the feelings will vary for everybody. There are times where, you know, you may feel great bliss, great bliss as well. That's a gift that comes with awakened kundalini is uh, somewhat consistent access to bliss. Maybe not always, but, you know, it's there. It's there in the background somewhere. Tom says, thanks for everything, buddy. Your podcast and information has really helped me out. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you for your support. Really, really, it means so much. Great questions and conversation today. Former human. I love that username. Thank you for your insights today, Brian. I'm so grateful. I felt drawn to this. I felt drawn to join this call. Oh, I'm so welcome. Uh, I'm. You're so welcome. And I'm so happy that you joined us. Happy solstice. Joyce, nice to see you here. Says, you're, she says, I'm so glad to hear that you're studying to be a therapist. Yes. Yes. Just studying. Just studying. This is not therapy. I'm, I'm really afraid that uh, somebody's going to misinterpret what I'm saying. That's why I didn't talk about it, because I uh, I don't want people to think I'm a therapist. I'm not, and this is not therapy. I'm just studying that to support me and uh, you know, developing a deeper understanding of, of how to support others going through all of these shifts. Yes, Yvonne, this recording will be on YouTube so that you can watch in the beginning. Thanks for your interest. Amy says, I always thought of it as electricity moving up and down. Yes, yes. Many people experience that as well, energy moving up and down, electricity, um, you know, lightning. Amy says, thanks for the podcast. Joined late. Oh, happy yoga day. Uh, today yoga? Happy yoga day, too. Happy yoga day, happy solstice, happy Wednesday, hump day, whatever you want to call it. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, everybody we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you all. I really appreciate all your ongoing support for this work. I I am infinitely grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, until next time, much love and peace.